At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove, and we're really close to our loyal listeners. Jason, super producer, I talked to him today. More than likely, he'll be back for the next episode. He wanted to get back for this episode, but he he, um, he had some stuff to take care of, and he couldn't, uh, couldn't get back uh, for the time that we were set to record this. So um, he's, uh, he's extra excited. He can't wait to... Uh, Come back and say hello to everybody and get in on a uh, great conversation. So I just want to remind everybody that if you do have a uh, have a story or uh, a sighting that you want to share with us, you can find us on Facebook at the From the Shadows podcast. Find our forum page called After the Shadows. You can find me on Instagram at Shane Grove Author or find us at the From the Shadows Instagram account. And last but not least, our website is working fine. Go to the contact page, send us an email. I'll get a hold of you. Um, or, like our guest that we have today, I can hunt you down on Facebook when you post your story and ask you politely over and over again, will you please come on and tell the story because it's so good. <laughs> so, so I hope that uh, once I bring our guest on, that you guys agree that uh, that I, I knew what I was doing when I asked him to come on. So joining us today is Eric from Pennsylvania. Eric, thanks for uh, joining us on the From the Shadows podcast. It's my pleasure, and thanks for having me. Now, Eric, so, you know, you want to give our audience, give them, uh, just give them a little bit of a background of where you're at in Pennsylvania. I mean, don't give the exact location because we don't, you know, we don't want people showing up and asking for autographs and trying to get <laughs> pictures and stuff. But uh, kind of give them the lay of where it is you're at, the land, uh, the history behind it a little bit. And then let's kind of, you know, get into to what happened. OK, um, it's central Pennsylvania. We're actually just below the actual center of the state. Um Penn State University is in Center County. We're the next county south. And it's a rural community, a lot of Amish around and everything. And uh, the mountains run up through here. And the the story takes place about 30 years ago. My older brother and I were coming to our family cabin up on the side of the mountain. And we 
brought our coon hounds up. It was, I think, January. Um, and we decided to go out coon hunting. And we left the cabin and we were walking out through and the dogs struck a trail and they were going down over the mountain. And they got down towards the bottom. There's an Amish farm there. And the, the dogs got quiet. They just stopped trailing and everything. So uh, it was rumored that the Amishman had been stealing some dogs for his puppy mill. So my brother and I decided to creep down to the farm with our lights out. And as we went down through, um, we're standing on the road above the, this old farm and we're watching and we have our lights out and we're just standing there quietly. And I see something move over by the house and it uh, started to proceed across from the, the house to my right. And I could see as it walked, I could see it was walking on two legs. I could see the arms swinging. And like I said, it was a fairly moonlit night. And as I told you when we were talking, I'm a pretty good sized fella between six, three and six, four. And at that time I was three to 350 pounds. And as we saw this going, um, it, it dwarfed me. Um, it was much bigger than I am. And it continued to walk past the, the barn. At first I thought it was the Amishman until I started seeing this and it continued on past the barn, um, went down over a little grade into a pasture field and as it got to the back side of the pasture where it bordered another Amish farm and goes out onto a big power line. Uh, it was a four foot or so high barbed wire fence that this thing stepped over without breaking stride. It didn't crawl over it. It didn't separate the wires. It didn't jump over it. It never broke stride. Um, we watched all this and I didn't say anything to my brothers. I <clears throat> told you he enjoyed tormenting me when I was younger and <laughs> he was always trying to scare me, and a lot of times he'd scare himself. And now, uh, how now? How I got to stop you? Ask how big is your brother? He he's smaller than I am, but he's still uh, what are you, Mike? Six, six. He's six one, and at that time he was probably around 220, 230 pounds. So you're establishing right now that your brother is not very smart, because <laughs> if older or not, if he's tormenting a six foot four 350 pound guy then that he just shows a lack of real judgment he learned a little bit as we got older he, he did stop by that time he, he'd stopped but uh there was still that trend and he got uh, the point where he was he would scare himself and, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I can give you many examples of that but they don't really involve sasquatch but <laughs> i have I didn't want to startle him. Like I said, at this point, by walking by the road, we're about a mile and a half, two miles from the cabin. Um, so I saw this thing go and it disappeared. And at this point, we hadn't we hadn't exchanged any words rang. And the dogs, uh, they opened on the trail back up over the side of the mountain. So I said, well, the dogs are up there. Let's head up towards them. And as we turn to start going, uh, my brother Mike says, um, did you see something back there? I said, like what? He said, I don't know what it was, he said, but it walked on two legs. And he said it was a whole lot taller than you are. And he said it, it just walked right out across there and stepped over the fence. And I said, yeah, I, I saw it. And his uh, comment then was, I think, well, the dogs will find their own way back. I'm going to the cabin. <laughs> oh, and, uh, we, uh, wow. we we proceeded to come back up to the cabin and we we discussed it a lot. I mean, even knowing that I was going to do this podcast with you. Um, he and I were talking about it and 30 years ago, and I can still sit here and picture it in my mind. I'm, I'm right now I'm where the cabin was at that point. I'm actually in a little different cabin that I'd built later, but, uh, I've not seen it before or since. Um, I wish that I would have known the Amishman that was down there then and went and looked for footprints and stuff, but I did look the next day. The fence was all up. There was no, gates in the fence no opening in the fence uh this thing stepped right over a four foot high fence um and and like you know thinking back to um this was not long after i'd gotten out of high school and there had been a story circulating for quite some time before that about this big valley monster um that you know people it's legal to spotlight in pennsylvania go out at night shine lights for deer and people would do this, and then they would claim that they saw this thing. I'd never encountered it like that, but we did that night. And uh, 
not long ago, my brother was actually talking to another person that uh, just straight out the way that this thing was traveling. This man had built a house there, and the man is telling my brother that uh, they they were making fun of his granddaughter because she was in the upstairs of their house, and she told her grandparents that Bigfoot was in the driveway looking at her. And they're like, what do you mean? And she said, this big hairy being was standing out here looking at me through the window. And her grandfather thought it was funny, but, you know, my brother told him, we've seen something here. Um, so that's a, another possible sighting, and that's that's only a few hundred yards from where we saw this. And that and that sighting just happened, is what you're saying, right? Not that long ago? Yeah, like a year or so ago. Okay, all right. So, so, so at the time, when you and your brother, so there had been talks about something being out there at night that people right. in the, in the, now, <clears throat> but that didn't, I mean, what'd you think back then that was just a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of people making it up or. We or actually thought, thought it might've been somebody pulling a prank, you know, because there, there are certain areas. If there's a, was a story going around about an exceptional buck or something, people go shine these fields and we you know, thought maybe somebody's dressing up doing something. Um, but the, the night that we saw whatever we saw, like I said, I told you before, I want to believe that Bigfoot's real. On, on the side of my cabin, I have all kinds of signs here. Uh, says, everyone says, warning, please do not feed the Sasquatch. And <laughs> Sasquatch mating area, please stay on the trails. <laughs> uh, I make eye contact. But I, yeah, I would love to believe it. And I, I kind of wish it that whenever it happened that I would have turned the light on to see. But then that opened a whole other discussion. As I told you, I told my brother I'd had to, if it came after us, I would have had to kneecap him and let him, let him to the Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen, you got a Sasquatch down there checking out puppies for a snack. I mean, your brother would be a lot better meal. Yeah. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. So, so obviously that Sasquatch or whatever it was you saw was down there probably looking around where the pup you know where the puppies were um it, it, it could have been i mean like i said i i saw it start from by the house i don't know if it there's a field behind the house it goes down into a little pasture there's old ancient stone walls around it and there's another patch of woods behind it i don't know if it may have been coming through there um i i first saw it enter in my view like by the corner of the house and it went over by the barn and it wasn't like it was going at a great pace or anything it, but uh it just was going with purpose it wasn't like it was just looking around it wasn't somebody trying to get in the barn or the house uh it it's kind of hard to describe you know looking at through the moonlight and i didn't have a, a feeling of fear or anything i wasn't fearful at the time um but yeah it, it was definitely something so so do you feel like it even knew you and your brother were standing there I don't. We discussed that. My brother said, well, you know, it probably should have been able to smell us if it, you know, but I don't remember what way the wind was blowing or anything. Uh, we were uphill from it. And uh, yeah, it, I, I, it didn't look in our direction or anything for any length of time, as I recall. Um, like I said, we, we didn't shine our lights on it, wishing now that we kind of would have to gotten a better look to see what we were we were dealing with. But think part of it was i just at first thought it may have been this guy trying to get our dogs or was hiding the fact that he had our dogs and we didn't want to disclose where we were and until i realized that it was something extraordinary that uh, it was kind of too late then so actually the dog your dogs then were beyond the farm like is that what you're saying or were they st were they right there with you or were they out of your sight and and on yeah, the we other side we hadn't seen them since we had turned them loose probably half an hour before that they okay. were doing a trail on a coon and they got down they went down over that power line i was describing and that power line comes right up to the back of the farm and they were in that general area whenever they got quiet um so they were they were in the area where we had seen the the sasquatch or whatever it was go over uh and they came up through and whenever they whenever they finally did come back to us they weren't acting right and they were kind of bristled up and i don't know if you've ever well you said you're not a hunter or anything but i'm not a hunter but i've heard enough stuff about coon dogs that it once they get on a scent and are after something it really takes something to get them off and get them yeah right and, i mean 
and they're yeah, fearless, they're, right? I mean, they're they're fearless. Yeah, and like I said, I, I've seen these the particular dogs that we had at that time. I you know they get around bears and stuff, and they they would come back in after tussling with a with a bear, and they'd be all bristled up like this and stuff. And uh, yeah, they they weren't. It wasn't like they had come in contact with anything, but you could tell that they they weren't their typical selves. Um, something wasn't quite right with what was going on on the mountain that night. Wow. So, so, but you guys, so you guys turned around and left and then they ended up coming back. So they had to, so they had to cross. So what do you think they went? I mean, this, and it's pure speculation. Do you think they got beyond that thing and heard it or smelled it or knew it was there and thought, Oh man, I got, we need to hunker down and be quiet or, or what? Like, I don't know. Uh, my first thought, like I said, I thought maybe this Amishman had caught them, which was kind of a stretch. It's typical. You don't just go up and get a dog on the trail. Uh, I don't know if they had lost the trail, like maybe if the, the raccoon had gone in, sometimes they'll go in the ground instead of up a tree. But typically the, the blue tick I had at that time, she would have stood there and bayed in the hole until we went and got her. Um, I, I don't know if they lost the trail, if this if there had been more than one going through at that time, whatever we'd seen, um, if the one we'd seen had crossed paths with them and they got out of there, I'd, yeah, I, I honestly don't know. Um, and again, I'm, I'm recalling from 30 years ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I mean, I think something like that probably, uh, really, I mean, obviously it sticks with you there, you know, when you see something that you don't expect, you know, you have that kind of experience for sure. Um, but so, so you've never seen or experienced anything like that again, then on the property has your brother or any of your other family members? No, uh, like I said, my brother spoke with the other man that lives down on down over the mountain and out further that his granddaughter had seen something. Um, the only other thing that I could say, now it wasn't here. It was actually, Further north in Pennsylvania, uh, we'd stopped at a sheet store and we we're standing there in the morning drinking coffee and we see something moving up along the, the woods edge and didn't think anything of it. Um, it was kind of dark colored and it was, it was in the morning sunlight. Um, but whenever we got in the truck then and we drove and we got up by this cornfield, we realized that whatever this was walking on the ground and you could see it walking above the the six plus foot high corn <laughs> oh wow okay <laughs> so you guys could see that from the gas station and then drove up closer to where you saw it well we were about 300 yards or so where we saw this going and we couldn't really tell what it was and it was fairly early morning but whenever we left the, the road actually took us past where this thing was was walking towards and it went up in the woods and we got up there and we realized how high this corn was and we'd again seen something that uh, couldn't explain what it was. Now you're, um, I mean, you're a hunter and spent a lot of time outdoors. Um, could, could a bear have replicated what you and your brother saw from 300 yards away? Uh, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like, I like to, you know, when people say, well, I saw this bear running on two feet. I'm like, when have you ever seen a bear run on two feet? Yeah. I, uh, I've got, I've got pictures I can send you of a bear that came in here that I tied my bird feeders up at the cabin. They were eight feet off the ground and the bear stood there and pulled them down, but that bear didn't run. He stood up and pulled the bird feeders down and, they, uh, they're the ones that I've seen that even try and move on their hind legs are very unsteady unless they're a circus bear and they still don't run. Yeah. And they don't walk through a cornfield. No, either. And yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a, uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, cause then you start eliminating like what makes sense, you know, like I, I, I realize everybody wants to kind of, just like you, the first night you saw and you're like, oh, that's gotta be the Amish guy. Because what else is out there walking around the barnyard on two legs? You know, yeah. it's it's when you realize that that those boxes you're trying to check off start not to make so much sense. And the only thing that does make sense is that it's got to be 
maybe a Bigfoot, maybe a Sasquatch. Because like you said, I mean, of stepping over a four foot high fence, I don't even know anything that can do that. No, like, I, and that that's one of the things that we discussed so many times. You know, we we both saw it. We both said it. You know, is like, man, that thing just stepped right over that fence. And I've crawled through lots of barbed wire. I've been hung up in barbed wire. This thing literally stepped over it. And I, I didn't go over with a tape measure and measured it at four foot, but it was well over a three foot fence because I've climbed over straddled many of them by pushing them down. And this was it was at between three and four foot tall. Wow. So, so we, so I want to ask, so I want to kind of go down this road a little bit because I know because of our conversation before, you are a true man of God. You, you, you know the Bible, you know um, your religious doctrine. Where, how do you looking back on this does this how, how do you reconcile this with what you know maybe is in the bible well if, if sasquatch is real if you know yeti sasquatch whatever bigfoot i believe that it is part of god's creation it, it was created in the in the six days of creation just like we and the other animals were um, but there's a lot of things out there that people have said for years, you know, that didn't exist or were extinct and things that they'd never heard of that they're finding now. Um, I, I believe that if it's, if it's true that it is just part of creation and my mother and I were talking earlier and she's like, well, why wouldn't they find bones or something? I said, you know, I, I go out and I actually look for shed antlers off of white tailed deer and mm -hmm you if you know get to know where the deer are traveling and stuff and at the right time you can typically get in there and find some sheds but most of the ones that i find you can see where squirrels and rodents and stuff were chewing on them uh i've spent a fair amount of time in in africa and i have a collection of african hunting books i i love the white age of the white hunter you know, and there was always the the legend of the the elephant graveyard have you ever heard about that yeah yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, it's not true. Um, we witnessed this last year when we were in South Africa, right outside of the one camp that we were at. There was a, a Cape buffalo had been killed by a pride of lions. And within 24 hours, there wasn't much of anything but some bones left there. I mean, a Cape buffalo, you know, is like a, a 2000 pound or bigger, like bull. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's bigger than a it's bigger than a steer on the farm. Oh yeah, you know, you know yeah. fifteen hundred pounds or so uh, is a you know a big one, and it was gone like in twenty four hours, except for some bones. And I can promise you, you go back here today, there's no bones there. Um, and that's the thing. If you look at how many buffalo are in that park where we're at Kruger National Park, it's twice the size of Yellowstone, and you struggle to go through there in, in areas and find bones of animals because God created his ecosystem and it works and if there's say that pennsylvania had at one point over a million white-tailed deer estimated population well let's say that we had a population of a of a thousand sasquatch what are the chances that you're going to find bones of a sasquatch if you think about all the more you ever see bones of a deer in the woods well, I know. well the only place you really i mean my family has a pretty good sized farm, pretty good sized mm -hmm. woods. And just cause I don't hunt, you know, you spend time out there. You just don't see deer and there's deer. There's so many deer. There's so many coyote. You just don't see them. It's not like they, they're just laying around. See, <laughs> so you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So your point is exa exact. And if we think these creatures are a little more, intelligent than just your average you know animal running around out there they may not they may uh do something to hide or uh you know keep their bones or their or their final resting place um a little more secret you know a little more um out that, of the way that's that's more common among the great apes and stuff i mean it's you know the the closer you get to i'm 
not an evolutionist by any stretch, but I believe that uh, there are animals that God blessed with more intelligence than others. I've, I've got some dogs that are smarter than some people I know. Um, but <laughs> it seems like that, you know, as you get into that, like, and especially with like the, the great apes that they, they kind of live in a communal setting and stuff. Yeah. They, they mourn the loss of their, their family members and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I absolutely believe that Sasquatch, if he exists in the, the way that he does in my mind, that he could absolutely do that. And the chances of finding the bones and remains are, are slim. I mean, we're not in an arid region where you can have mummification and things dry out. I mean, they're, they're going to go back into the, the earth. Now, I also want to touch on, like, so the part of the Bible that talks about the, the Nephilim. Uh-huh. And, I, and I know people have, I've heard this, uh, I've heard people go down that path that they believe that that's what Bigfoot is, offspring of the Nephilim that were cast out and, um, you know, just roaming the earth, you know, on their own, basically, as abominations. I mean, does that make any sense to if you I, at all? If I was going to pick anything from the Bible, I would think that maybe they were uh, from the line of the Edomites because Esau is described as being hairy and, uh, that's how Jacob deceived his father. Whenever he stole Esau's birthright, he went and took the, the fur off of a young goat and put on his hand so that when his blind father would touch him, he thought that he was touching his brother. Um, I believe the, the Nephilim are the ascendants before what we see with David and Goliath. Um, you know, Goliath stood probably between nine and ten feet tall, a uh, very big man, but he was described as looking like a man. Um, there's a lot of things that get pulled in with the Nephilim uh, because it says that the, I was, the, the sons of man interbred with the, the daughters of God. And I think that was talking more about believers and non-believers, personally. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't think it goes that route, personally. That, that's that's me i'm not going to debate with somebody else if they feel differently uh but yeah we we definitely have the information in the bible that tells us of these large beings um and even in here in pennsylvania i have a there's a, a pennsylvania author his name is jeff frazier jeffrey frazier he wrote a bunch of we call them fireside tales throughout pennsylvania and he has uh stories and documentation of these beings in almost New York state up in Potter County that they had unearthed these skeletons of these men that were nine, 10 feet tall. And they had horns that protruded straight out of their forehead and then turned like 90 degrees towards the, the, the top of their heads. Holy moly. Okay. That's uh that's interesting for sure. I mean, and we've had, um, Jim Vieira on who is really into the the giant uh, skeleton uh, mm -hmm. stories throughout North America and the world and I mean that's very interesting um, how some of that stuff seemingly has been hidden away you know they don't want they don't want present day people to know that that stuff existed here in North America for whatever reason right which i find uh, yeah that's a whole nother that's a whole another <laughs> rabbit hole to go to go down but uh wow that's interesting yeah so so would you i mean you've already kind of said so i mean do you do you do anything out there on the property to kind of um maybe try to invite these creatures back or no. or not or you just kind of, if I, I see actually, one, I see one. Yeah, I actually live in North Carolina now, but uh, I do keep uh, a number of trail cameras out year round. Um, but, you know, I see that stuff come up a lot. People are like, well, why don't they get pictures of them with all these trail cameras and stuff? Um, I, I don't have high dollar trail cameras, but a friend of my brother, younger brothers does. Uh, he does a lot of more professional type hunting. And he said that even at those cameras um, that are like over a thousand dollars per camera to, tied to a tree in the woods, uh, 
that they only have like a 60% success rate at capturing things that go past them. Really? Yeah. So that and, never that never gets brought up. That the, you know what I'm saying? I, all the people I've heard discussing uh, trail cam evidence, no one's ever said that 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 the percentage of success rate is only sixty percent. I mean, you would think listening to people talk about trail cams, you a fly couldn't fly by without a catching. No, you know? no, no, no. Uh, I I have one spot up here where I set up two cameras at different angles. And they're both about the same distance away from where the, the, the animals normally come through. And the one will have twice as many pictures on every time as the other one. Uh, wow. And they're, they're the same brand of camera, you know, put new batteries in and everything at the same time. And like I said, that that's with your high dollar cameras that, that are around 60%. Um, these cheap so, ones, like, I don't know what the success rate is on them. Well, if you compare your two cameras, the one's zero. <laughs> percent versus the other one if it's got twice as i mean holy smoke yeah i've never heard i've never heard that i've never heard that from the people that talk about trail cams that they're really not that accurate well dependable yeah i wasn't aware of it until my my brother was telling me this and like i said his, his friend has some sponsors and stuff he goes out in the midwest and hunts uh so they supply him with a lot of this gear and everything and they were telling that, you know, and of course the, the, the camera companies don't want to publish that data and say, you know, you, you've got a 25% chance of the buck of your lifetime walks by and you're, you're going to maybe get a picture of them. You know, you only got 25% chance that you're going to. Um, and I, and this, this wasn't, this is like last year that he got these cameras. So it's not like it's the older cameras. Yeah. Um, so I, Another thing just crossed my mind. Was there any point in time when you saw that thing that it crossed your mind that, man, maybe I should, maybe that is something I need to, I need to shoot and just to prove that it exists. No, no, that we actually, my brother and I discussed that today and we're sitting here on my porch and uh, I said, you know, one, one could walk by about a hundred yards at the end of my driveway go across the driveway and down the woods and i said as long as it's not trying to kill us or cause us any harm i'm going to watch it go and try and get a picture of it um yeah i, I don't believe in killing anything unnecessarily um but um like you said i'm i'm a hunter i hunt for meat i'm not really a trophy hunter i've hunted here in africa and, and other places and uh i enjoy it uh i'm definitely on the, the carnivore side of the spectrum and uh, I, I, I would not want to cause any any harm to anything unnecessarily. I totally, I totally understand that. I mean, I've heard both sides of that coin that you know, because um, it doesn't sound to me like I think the people that that have had these experiences, like you know, what you, I mean, you know, you saw something. You may not know exactly what it was, but you're confident in your in your knowledge of. I saw something that probably shouldn't have been there that probably is hard to explain. I don't need to shoot one to prove it to somebody else. Oh okay. yeah. I, I, again, if you want to go back to scripture, you know, the, the Bible says you don't, don't swear by anything. Don't make an oath in the name of God. Don't swear by the earth. It's his footstool, but your yes be yes. And your no be no. So you yeah, should be known, exactly. just be known by your character that you're not going to tell a lie. And I mean, I have, I, I enjoy telling, stories and stuff and even getting to the point you know whenever i was working with the youth in the church and stuff to exaggerate the point or tell a tall tale but i would i would not outright lie about something like this for any attention or uh I, like i said this is 30 years ago and it's still vivid in my mind and we like to reminisce whenever we sit up here around a fire and some of the our friends know about the story and they'll have their kids and they'll be like tell them a story about what you saw down the mountain here <laughs> <laughs> um I want you now. You said there's a is a big Amish population. I I wonder like there's a big Amish population here, not far from us, and we know they're pretty tight lipped, you know. But they some of them will every once in a while tell about an experience that they you know it's like it's fact to them over in eastern part of Ohio. Like if you really get one of one of those uh, guys to talk. 
they'll tell you, like, oh yeah, we know, we know they're out there, but they're not going to offer it up. So I wonder what the community, like the Amish community there knows and, uh, most amongst of the ones, themselves. Most of the ones that I've had any interaction with talking about that stuff, uh, they, they won't just out of hand say, no, there is, or isn't. Um, but a lot of them will tell you stories of things that they've heard. Um, another night coon hunting, we were actually on an Amish farm and a friend of mine, probably one of the most fearless people I, I knew at that point in time, we were there and our dogs were running and heard this God awful wailing sound. And I mean, I've heard bobcats, I've heard most anything you can imagine out in the woods. Uh, and I looked at him, I said, what was that? And you could hear in his voice, he said, I, I don't know. He said, but it didn't sound friendly. He said, let's get out of here. <laughs> Um, oh, again, don't know what it was, but it, it was something that was alive by the sounds of it. And I mean, yeah, it, it's, there's so much that goes on. And that's one of the things I try and tell people that say, well, why are you afraid of the dark? There's nothing in the, in there in the dark. It isn't in the daylight. Well, yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the people that were like, you know, so we're the we're essentially the same age. So growing up, okay, I I only thought this was like you know the Yeti was in uh, the Himalayas, uh-huh. uh, Sasquatch or Bigfoot was only in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Okay, it, it's it, there's no way you thought, and and so at that time I probably when in the late 70s, early 80s, the Minerva monster was going on. Okay. So, but we didn't know that. I didn't know that. And that's not that far away from me. It's over like south of Cleveland. Okay. In the Akron Canton area. Um, I, I had no idea that that was going on. It was national news. Okay. Yeah. But they didn't come out and call it Bigfoot or Sasquatch or anything like that. They, they attached the word monster to it. And so then that kind of gives it, um, okay, not that calling it Bigfoot or Sasquatch would have, would have made it even more realistic. But, you know, anytime you put the word monster on something, you're like, oh, okay. It's, it's, it's probably made, made, make believe. But not till you get older and you start traveling up and down Eastern Ohio through Pennsylvania into, and into West Virginia, do you really realize there's a lot of land where there's not a lot of people? Oh, yeah. There's there's great big swaths of forest and hills and I mean we'll drive we go to the Outer Banks on vacation we go through Pennsylvania and West Virginia and I'll go look at that hill there's got to be at least one you know joking I'm kind of joking but I at the same time I'm like there's either a Bigfoot on the side of that hill or there's a or there's a still there's one yeah. or the other maybe both you know. You know, it does not surprise me that those areas are, uh, have so many reports of stuff going on. Yeah. Well, for years around here, there were people that claimed that they would see mountain lions and the game commission said, no, no, there, there's no mountain lions or, you know, this isn't true. And there's places around here named, uh, Panther run road, Panther hollow and all this. And I was actually riding four wheeler here one day and I went down and I went to turn to go out this other road. And I heard something as I'd slowed down to turn and I hear the brush crashing and I see this black thing moving. I thought it was a bear. I started accelerating the four-wheeler to follow this bear. Well, this bear had about a three or four foot long tail behind it. Ooh. Okay. And, uh, and my mother and father, they saw uh, buckskin colored pumas or mountain lions here. You know, we had the Penn State Nittany Lions. Yeah. Uh, but they, the game commission claims, no, there aren't any around anymore. Well, they're all over the place that your, uh, Michigan is having problems with them now. And these things, uh, I've told my brother a story. My wife is from, uh, South Africa and there's a rugby stadium in Johannesburg back in the 1980s. There was a mating pair of leopards that lived in this rugby stadium. And there were thousands of people coming there to rugby matches and they never knew it. <laughs> that so, does not sound like a recipe for anything but disaster. <laughs> like, like they—that sounds—that's crazy. 
Like, yeah. Wow. And they so 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 it wasn't like um, a thousand people going into their habitat. Of right. it's like it's like uh, that's the janitor's closet. Uh, we don't go in there. Well, yeah, don't go in there. There's there's leopards in there. They said. And the thing of it is, you know, uh, the uh, the animal rights activists and stuff. They they got all up in arms about the leopard, saying they're endangered. Well, the leopard is the most widely spread large cat in the world. It comes from, goes from Cape Town, South Africa, clear to Siberia, and all points in between. You can find leopards. Um, so, but they're hard to find. I, this was my second trip to Kruger when I was over. I've been in several, many other game reserves and places, and I, I wanted to see a leopard. Finally, I got to see one, and that actually made me think about the the photograph situation you know we're saying why are the photographs always blurry when people take pictures of sasquatch well i've taken tons of pictures of lions and probably 90 percent of them are out of focus because you're trying to get a picture of something that's moving the autofocus is in and out and you snap a picture at just the wrong time um i go through my pictures and i throw i'll come back with ten thousand photographs when i go on a photo safari and i might have thousand good ones if i'm lucky wow yeah i mean i think a lot of people that question that have never been out doing anything you know yeah. what i'm saying they're not um versed and you know they certainly don't go hunting i mean like i'm not questioning like you know why didn't you shoot why haven't you shot more trophy bucks yeah. Okay, because I'm <laughs> I'm not out there. Huh? I know how difficult it's got to be difficult. You know, it's the same thing with taking pictures. Like, I I, th- I got to think like, even if you'd have had a camera that night, would that have been the first thing you'd have thought of? This no. I got to get a camera up and take a. I mean, I think that when you see stuff that is so stunning, um, that uh, that's the last thing you think of. And I know people are taking pictures and video of everything nowadays and maybe the generation that that is you know has been you know of 25 year olds and let not to bash 20 but i think maybe they would be you know if they were out looking for bigfoot they might be the ones to get a picture us old guys well i mean i mean what are we thinking about taking you know like we had to wind the the film like well i've got I've got a very, very nice digital outfit that I, my wife and I do, we're doing more traveling now, but her being from South Africa, I go over there and I've got up to 600 millimeter telephoto lenses. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many pictures I've taken of birds sitting that just at the last second, you know, something's not quite right. The camera's focused a little bit on something else. And you, you think, well, I got a decent picture. And then you look at it and it's, it's so out of focus. Um, and then you've got something like that where you're going to be excited. You got an adrenaline rush, and it it just uh, it doesn't make me question at all. But um, my brother was just saying, you mind if he chimes in here for a second? No, he can chime in. He can chime. All right. Is he is he defending his his intelligence? That's all I want to know. He's going to do that. He he is smart enough not to do that. <laughs> here here's Mike. Hi. Uh, no, I, what I wanted to say was was that night. Saying about focusing and with cameras and stuff. Well, we both had lights, and me personally speaking, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Even though I had that light there, I could have easily turned it on and shined on it. It just wasn't registering at the time that I had that light. I could have turned it on, but I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I was looking at this thing, and I was looking at my brother. I looked back at this, and I was comparing sizes. And like you said, when it was walking out across there and stepped over that fence, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, so, I, so, so I can have respect for people that say, well, you couldn't, you know, you, when you watch these things on TV and you say, well, why wasn't the picture focused? Why is this? Because me, truthfully, what I was looking at just didn't register. And maybe if I did turn my light on, I didn't want to know what I was actually seeing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was at. Like, like it's it's stuck in your brain, you guys' memories this long, just seeing it in the dark. So imagine if you uh, 
I mean, if you because if you shine your light on it, what's the first thing it's going to do? Turn and look at you. Well, and, well, that too. But we didn't have guns or nothing. We just had our, our lights with us. So what what would he have done if we turned our lights on and it decided to come towards us? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question for sure. I mean, like I, I know what your brother said he would have done, uh, taking your knee out. <laughs> and, and and then he would have been telling the story about the time I left my brother, <laughs> left my brother land. But how quick? How quick did you figure out it wasn't? The, I mean, or did you not like? I mean, like Eric, he thinks he thought at first it was the Amish guy. Did you think it was the the guy that lived there, or did you know right away that there's no well, way? From his porch was closed in, and as this thing was walking across. In front of his porch, it was actually higher than the roof that was in an angle coming down. His head was a little bit taller than that roof, so you, you knew you knew it was something large. But like I said, you couldn't really—I can't tell you if it had clothes on, if it was covered in hair. All I can truly tell you is, is that it was large. It walked upright, and I often thought about too—you know—people saying about gorillas and stuff. Well, gorillas might walk upright, but they kind of like sway their hips or yeah. kind of. This thing was walks like a human. You know, you know, it was straight. It didn't like slunch over. I I can't really tell you what I saw other than it was large. Well, now are you? Uh, so you? So I ask. I ask it, but you. So you've never had another close experience or heard well, anything or seen anything out of out of ordinary since then years after that where we saw it walk across the power line and into the woods i've hunted many a times with my dog in that area after the experience and never i've never come across it again i've never seen nothing never really heard nothing i mean i i kind of kind of look at it this way too if you put a guy in a ghillie suit how close can you get to him and uh, and see him and recognize him? I mean, it could be if it's something that hairy, and could be that quiet. How many times can you walk past it? I mean, we got bear in the woods up here, and you know they're here, but how often do you see them? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, in bear trying to basically stay away from you too, right? So bear doesn't. Bear don't necessarily want to run into you any more than you want to run into them. Um, so if you have something like this, uh, I don't think they really want to run into you either from all, from all accounts. Nope. I, that's what I kind of think too. Like I said, I, I can't tell you exactly what it was other than it was very tall, very large and walked upright. Well, I hope that some night when you guys are sitting out on the porch, that you guys get another opportunity to to experience, you know, to experience that together. I mean, that would be kind of cool. Maybe, you know, it'd be another great story. Yeah, it it would. Uh, I'm I'm back on here now. But, uh, <laughs> we've got a friend that uh, he's he's into this stuff. I'm going to get him to subscribe to your uh, podcast too. And he has his daughter interested in this stuff. But uh, one one funny kind of story to go along with it while this stuff was all going on we were in the the cabin one night and my my brother has this mutant squatch cry that he does out in the woods and uh we're in the cabin one night we're it's after midnight and we're sleeping and we hear a vehicle which was extremely odd at that time and these people came down over the mountain road that intersect with our driveway and they were in a Jeep with the, the top off. And I guess they decided that it was a good spot to stop and take a urination break. And uh, they get out and they shut the Jeep off. And we stepped out on the porch of the cabin. We could hear them talking and everything. And my brother does this call that he does, this squalling noise. And I hear one guy, you hear that? And the other's like, what was that? And about that time, he does it again, and the guys jump in the Jeep, and they take off, and there's two other guys that are chasing them, trying to get in the Jeep, because they left without them. jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, it sounds like you guys are troublemakers. That's what I'm getting out of this, is that you guys are... <laughs> uh, we, we just, uh, we, we enjoy life. 
<laughs> uh, well, I wanted to ask you one more thing that you mentioned before before we get off here, because so where you live now, you mentioned to me that there was a uh, some sightings, you know, because a lot of our listeners like to go and do some investigation and, and research on their own. What this thing called Nobby down in North Carolina? You want to you want to give a little background on that, and well, maybe some of our listeners can go check that out. Yeah, he's uh, there's like I said, not far from where I'm at is uh, South Mountain State Park. Uh, he's been seen in that area down in towards Shelby, North Carolina. Uh, the last time I remember anything was a few years back on the the local news. They uh, encountered this person that said that Nobby came to their place quite often and come in and disturb things and everything. And it's kind of the typical thing you get in the South, like with the they, they go where when a when a tornado comes through, they go to the trailer park and look for the biggest redneck they can find. But this this guy <laughs> was standing there and he said, Yeah, he said, Nobby comes here all the time. He said, and I go out and say, Nobby, you get, you behave yourself and get, you know, like he talks to it like it's his, his buddy or naughty neighbor. Um, but there's you can they have places that sell t shirts and stuff that you know, I believe in Nobby, I've seen Nobby and all this stuff, and it's uh it seems to run in cycles that be a lot of reports for a while and then all of a sudden you don't hear anything for the longest time and then it starts up again uh, i've not had any experiences down there but uh well i i'd be interested if any of our listeners from that area um know of anybody or have had an experience with uh, with not because i had never heard i've heard of a, a million different uh names you know there are you know a lot of regional names for Bigfoot and Sasquatch, you know, like we in Ohio, it's the grass man, um, you know, in Florida, it's a skunk ape. You know, there's all kinds of different um, names for the for these creatures or what we think they are. So I, that was a new one on me, Nobby. So I, I'm, I'm eager to see if any of our listeners have uh, have experienced that or know anything about that. I'd love to hear about it. So uh, Something else you can look into if you want. There's. Quite often, there's uh, reports over Charlotte of pterodactyls flying. Uh, around Charlotte? Yeah, there's, I mean, it makes the news. Yeah, there's people talk about seeing pterodactyls flying over Charlotte. You can just put in pterodactyl Charlotte in Google and you'll you'll get all kinds of hits. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've never heard that. Okay, I'll have to check that out for sure. I, that's one thing I, that's one thing I always, um, you know, because we did hear a lot of reports about in West Virginia, you know, pterodactyl-like creatures. And I totally think that in those, like, hollers, you could, if something survived all those years, okay, from the from from the Ice Age or whatever, that'd be a good place to do it. You know, oh, yeah. hiding out in the caves and, you know, stuff like that. Oh, man. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to I'd, I'd love to hear uh, from an eyewitness of a pterodactyl. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't even, you know, talk about your mouth hanging open. Holy smokes, that was. I that thought was, it was a joke when I first heard about. it. I started looking and no, they they have these reports quite often, and I've I've not seen it you know myself, but I would I would definitely like to. Yeah, yeah. I mean those uh, those reports. There's a lot of reports from out in the. Uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, kind of that area too, about those kind of, you know, they call them Thunderbirds or, uh, but I think, you know, I think what they may be seeing is a pterodactyl type creature. So, yeah, you know, I've kind been, of a land of the lost kind of deal. Yeah. We, we went out West, we did a 8,000 mile tour around the country in 2020. And I can believe that there's things out there that man hasn't seen or hasn't seen man. I mean, you, you look at, driving for the one place i think we're in new mexico and i could see a light it was like in the pre-dawn and you see a light in the distance a stationary light and i looked at the odometer until i got to that light it was like 30 some miles that we had driven you know you could, so yeah you can see a long way there's lots of lots of territory out there yeah and a lot of nothing in between probably right absolutely <laughs> well, no. Well, well, Eric. Hey, I am glad I uh, I, I ran across your uh, I ran across your story on the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Project, and all of our fans who who listen. I mean, 
that Pennsylvania Bigfoot Project page on Facebook is a great resource for uh, eyewitness sightings. And uh, I'm glad you shared. I'm glad you shared your experiences on there, and uh, I could get you to come on and tell them because uh, I think I think where you're coming from, you know, and your experience as a hunter, and then you know, being a man of faith, I I totally, you know love your angle of what it is you experienced and uh you know how resolute you know you're like this is what i saw you know yeah. i think that's i think that's especially the hunt being a hunter aspect it gives you another perspective of uh detail you know some of the detail that you guys that you guys picked up on so i i appreciate you and your brother jumping on there and uh and sharing the story well it was our pleasure and uh i thank you for what you do and they said i'll uh i've got your contact here i'll i'll send you a picture of some of my signs that are hanging on the wall of my cabin here <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome that would be awesome and uh i do i hope you and your brother one night are out there on the porch hanging out and you guys get a you guys get a second opportunity to uh <laughs> to uh run into the big fella for sure yeah too uh in fact, it was funny. We used to talk about this all the time. And the one guy that used to come up here hunting with us, uh, whenever I built the new cabin where we're at now, uh, invited some of our old hunting buddies up uh, for burgers and stuff one night. And I'm grilling burgers. And the one guy came with his two boys. And his boys, one boy said to me, he said, I don't know why he said, but dad told us not to talk about Sasquatch here. <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't want you guys telling your story to the kids uh, I think he was he was afraid that he was going to be uh handled by sasquatch or something at one point because he he wouldn't go the old cabin had an outhouse and everything he wouldn't go to the outhouse after dark <laughs> <laughs> hey i gotta be honest sasquatch or none i'm not sure i'm going to the outhouse after dark either so <laughs> i love the woods in the dark uh, that's one of the things that uh being in south africa um staying there in the park sleep you'd be sleeping in a tent and you hear the lions roaring and uh yeah i like the woods i'm haven't found it yet that i'm truly afraid of but there's things i have a lot of respect for yeah i think that's the way it probably should be so well eric i hey, i appreciate it and uh, uh i can't wait for our listeners to uh to hear to hear hear this episode so thank you so much uh, thank you, sir. You have a blessed evening. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 